This is Dr. Kara Shepard, and you're listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. Thanks for listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. Uh, we are on to part three of So You Think You Want to Get Goats. And I'm going to talk about like medical considerations. Uh, things that if you are getting into goats, you don't want to accidentally get into. A lot of this stuff could also apply to... Um, like buying additional goats into your herd. Uh, I'm going to talk about biosecurity uh, in terms of infectious diseases and uh, zoonotic diseases. So kind of touch on all of those and... I, I will, I've, I've have had in my head for a long time that I need to do like episodes dedicated to each of these specific disease processes and uh, I will do that but this is going to be more of like an overview of general things to consider um, so thanks everybody for listening <laughs> I had a, a huge number of listens when I finally posted a podcast episode a couple weeks ago well actually at this point right now it's like a few days ago but by the time this episode posts it'll be a couple weeks so it's uh, thanks for listening uh, thanks for sharing with your goat friends thanks for following along on Instagram where I am bad about posting things and uh I just took some cute pictures of a Jersey calf that I will, uh, that I vaccinated that I will post. Uh, she is super sweet, but, uh, come on over and say hi. If you want to get in touch, you can find me on Instagram at goat underscore doc. You can send me an email at goat at gmail.com. You can find the website at goatdoc.com, and there's a contact tab on there that you can click to send me a message that way um so yeah come on over and say hi thank you for rating and reviewing on apple podcasts or your other podcast player apps i've tried i'm trying to like migrate myself over to apple podcasts because i've been a stitcher user for a long time but then i got a watch because like the apple watch thing i got an old one because i started running with the dogs again and i don't like carrying my phone it's like one other thing i've got the dog leashes and then i've got the phone thing on my arm it's just awkward so the watch is like a little less awkward to tell me how fast and far i'm going which is not very fast or very far to be perfectly honest um but uh why was i saying this oh yeah because i was trying to use apple podcasts more and uh, yeah it's it's a whole thing of like migrating my insane podcast listening uh library over to apple podcasts and sometimes apple like wants to make things tries to make things easy but it's just not intuitive to me but anyway so if you whatever you listen to on uh your favorite podcast player am i supposed to 
I'm supposed to turn. Oh, sorry, I'm navigating a way that I don't usually go, so I just missed a turn. I'll just go right through here and it'll be okay. Um, yeah, come and say hi and rate and review and share with your friends. That was the longest amount of time I think I've ever taken to say that. Uh, sorry. Um, and if you're feeling extra supportive of goat podcasting, you can come find uh, the Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash goat doc. And shout out to awesome Patreon patrons. Thank you guys for your support and messages. And it makes me get on the little not high-tech podcasting recording apparatus that I have and record podcasts for y'all. I think that's all of the housekeeping stuff I can think of at the moment. Um, So I'm going to talk about health considerations for acquiring your new goats or like whether they're your new goats, like your first goats that you've ever got, or whether they're like new goats that you're adding to your group of goats. I am just talking about this. I didn't prep very well, so sorry if it's a little, I I don't know. I feel like if you're listening to this podcast at this point, you're probably used to my stream of consciousness ramblings. And uh, if not, if you don't like full out like it, you at least tolerate it because maybe there's something useful about what I say. Anyway, this podcast is provided with the intent to educate and inform. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice or veterinary care provided by your primary vet. And I strongly encourage you to establish and maintain a current and valid VCPR veterinarian client patient relationship with your local vet. Um, okay important things to think about when you are getting goats. When you're getting goats, why are you getting the goats? We've, I've talked about this before. I think I talked about this in the first, like, so you think you want goats episode. Like, why are you getting the goats? Probably whatever the reason you're getting the goats, you want healthy goats. You don't want, like, sickly, parasite-infested, chronic-disease-carrying animals because nobody is going to have a good time. The goats aren't going to have a good time. The people aren't going to have a good time. It's it's just not not a great thing. If you're looking for pets, you're looking for something that's going to be long-lived and comfortable and happy and healthy and, like you don't want to deal with a bunch of chronic disease. It's no fun. If you're looking for dairy or meat or some kind of production animal, same thing. Those animals that are not healthy, like they're not, if they are at some disadvantage due to external pathogens, parasites, bacteria, viruses, those are going to suck away that animal's ability to be productive and thereby like make your producing job as a producer more difficult and less rewarding starting off with the best animals you can is a good plan 
So what does that mean in terms of like, and I'm not even going to get into like, you know, confirmation and genetics and all of those things. Cause goat people, I mean, I feel maybe I've said this on here before some goat people who have been raising goats for probably longer than I've been alive have said, you know, raising goats is 30% genetics, 30% husbandry and 30% or one third, one third, one third, because you're going to end up with 10 extra percent there. One third genetics, one third husbandry, and one third dumb luck, like, is is what goes into making an awesome goat. And that's just kind of, and I fully believe that because you can have animals that are littermate siblings and one is amazing and awesome and beautiful and one is like wimpy and sickly and crappy and under the same husbandry conditions so that's like a, a crapshoot type situation and then you can have and I've been in situations where like one litter mate that was under a certain husbandry situation and another one that was not and the the difference is like a physical difference in those animals growth and ability to thrive and resilience and all of those things. So yeah, not even going to go down that road of talking about like genetics and, and husbandry more at this point, just talking about like the external things that you absolutely can and should try to avoid when you are getting goats. Uh, so, uh, infectious disease. If you are in goat circles, I feel like the idea of what people commonly refer to as biosecurity testing is pretty, like, that's pretty commonplace idea. And people say, oh, biosecurity testing. And generally in small ruminant world, that refers to CAE, CL, and Yonis. So CAE is caprine arthritis encephalitis, CL is caseous lymphadenitis, and Yonis is Yonis. Um, Those are three chronic wasting diseases that are incurable in your animals. So once you got them, you got them. Like, that animal is forever infected with that disease. Uh, Caprine arthritis encephalitis is a viral disease. Uh, Really briefly, it's what's called a lentivirus. So that's like a slow virus. It's similar to HIV um, in its behavior and, like, I believe, if I recall correctly, physical structure. I did a whole thing on CAE at some point when I was, like, in my pre-vet days and knew all kinds of specifics about it, but I'd have to go back and review that. Um, so lentivirus, viral, incurable, um, causes why it's called caprine arthritis encephalitis. The most common like syndromes that it causes are, uh, arthritis. And probably that is like the most common one because the encephalitis syndrome related to CAE is very in my experience seldom seen and even talking with vets who've been vets for longer than I've been alive uh, they tend to say that that you know, like they've been doing this for years and they have not ever seen an encephalitis case that was a CAE encephalitis case. Uh, encephalitis is like inflammation of the brain uh, neurologic type syndrome. Uh, 
somewhat else. So that's CAE, CL, caseus lymphadenitis, um, Carinobacterium pseudotuberculosis. I just paused to Google because I always do when I say that bacteria name. So Carinobacterium, to make sure I said the right one, <laughs> there is a, an exam question in vet school where the CL bacteria was like, what is the causative agent? And it was Carinobacterium pseudotuberculosis or he, the question writer put like some sneaky, like if you didn't really carefully read the multiple choice thing, you would pick the wrong one. And I gave him a hard time about that. But, um, so CL, caseus lymphadenitis, Carinobacterium pseudotuberculosis is a bacterial disease and it causes abscesses. Um, it is contagious. Both CAE and CL are, are chronic and contagious. You can't get rid of them. They go on and on. They're contagious between animals and CL causes abscesses. This particular organism has a predilection for lymphatic tissue. So it likes lymph nodes is basically the, the non or less doctory way to say that. Uh, it, uh, the organism travels to lymph nodes, sets up shop, causes these chronic nasty abscesses, and lymph nodes are all over the body. So like the classic thing that people think of with CL is like submandibular, under the mandible, under the chin, uh, swelling of the lymph nodes where lymph nodes, other like peripheral lymph nodes, so those are the lymph nodes that you can feel on the outside of the body, in front of the shoulders, in front of the stifles, anywhere where there's lymph nodes that are like under the skin that are outside of the the thorax or the abdomen uh, you, you, where you could actually feel them if they're big those are those are places where you could feel CL abscesses or, or CCL abscesses abscesses or CL abscesses could rupture um, and but having said that like goats also in particular probably more than sheep tend to make abscesses internally too so lymph nodes live under the skin but they also live all through the body so lymph nodes live all along the the mesentery of the intestinal system so that's like the, the tissue that holds the vessels and kind of holds the intestine somewhat in place uh, live by the main stem bronchi in particular, so like the big branches of the airways uh, in the thorax. There's lymph nodes all over the place, and CL in goats in particular uh, can definitely make abscesses internally as well, and that's annoying because then you have internal abscesses that you can't see. Um, so why are, why are abscesses a problem? Because the immune system is constantly dealing with them. And for meat animals in particular, it's a problem because, you know, you're going to have like carcass contamination or like loss of, of meat because it's near these gross abscesses. Um, animals, you know, failure to thrive because abscesses can impede function of other things. So... And abs like abscesses are just generally not great. Ruminants are really good at making abscesses. Like they they have abscesses are important for certain things, but when you have this obnoxious bacteria that you can't get rid of, like you're, you know, meh. That's a that's a hard one. Um, 
and yonis. So yonis is a chronic bacterial disease of the intestinal system. Now, this is why the bacteria species get confusing, because yonis is Mycobacterium avium subspecies paratuberculosis. So you've got that tuberculosis, paratuberculosis, pseudotuberculosis. I think that multiple choice question I mentioned about CL, the, the, the answer was Corinobacterium paratuberculosis was one option, and then Corinobacterium pseudotuberculosis was the other one. So if you didn't read carefully, you would get it wrong. That's very sneaky. Anyway, um, Yonis is Mycobacterium avium subspecies paratuberculosis, um, sometimes called MAP. Uh, a roommate of mine, roommate and friend of mine in vet school, uh, did some research in Australia one summer about MAP, and uh, I should ta- I should get her on the podcast when we do a Yonis episode. I've already told her that we needed to do that. Uh, Yoni's is a chronic diarrhea disease, a chronic wasting disease. It, there's some newer research coming out that it is uh, possibly too likely linked to Crohn's disease in humans. Uh, grossly, so grossly meaning like big picture gross lesions, lesions you can see on a necropsy. You can see inflammation of the lining of the intestines and like this like corrugated thickening nastiness where like the intestinal system just doesn't work like the the intestines the intestinal lining's ability to absorb nutrients is impeded by all of this like inflammation and thickening of the the intestine itself uh, it's physically a longer uh like journey to traverse for molecules, proteins, things that the intestine normally transports into the body, it can't do it because the architecture is effaced. Um, and this also prevents like normal stool from being formed really well. Uh, so like diarrhea, basically diarrhea in cows with yonis and sheep more than goats can be quite spectacular um can be pretty like a lot of it and it just like never resolves never goes away goats just like how goats like want to make their abscesses on the inside with um cl they also are kind of good at uh not having as profound diarrhea when they have yonis but they certainly get those symptoms of like muscle loss, being thin, having ratty coats, blah, blah, blah. Um, so those, all of those diseases, don't they all sound awful? Like (laughs) not, not fun to have and certainly affect like quality of life, longevity and, uh, the, if in production animals, like those animals ability to like be the most productive animals that they can be. So we don't want to have them. Um, so when you're getting goats, you want to see biosecurity testing and you want to like see it and know that it's legit got off on like a, ooh, I was talking about infectious disease and getting all excited. And now I feel like I'm doing more like do, 
do this thing where you it's not as fun to talk about like how people can be jerks because <laughs> I mean and sometimes people don't intend to be jerks and there's like honest mistakes that are made and things like that but um like you don't want to be in a position where you acquire acquire accidentally these kinds of these animals with these infectious diseases like you know accidentally unintentionally or just due to you know not knowing about them um so how do you avoid them you buy animals that they themselves are tested and or they are from herds that are tested consistently and i i would say to uh, like a pretty important extent for me at least as someone who raises goats and has bought a few over the last couple of years like you need to have a certain level of trust with the the person that you're buying the goats from and I mean it's probably easier for me because like the last several goats I've bought like I know the people I've known them for years I've done their own like I've tested their herds myself over the past however many years or like I know personally the vets who have dealt with them over the past however many years like you know having that kind of relationship is is useful for me when I'm like, ooh, I really like your goats. Let me buy some of them. And I know they're healthy and I'm not super paranoid about testing them again. It's You don't always have that luxury, I guess, or the, like the opportunity for that. And it's a thing of, you know, how comfortable are you with that risk? To me, like, no matter almost no matter what like to the point where I've thought about like how worried am I about this frozen semen that's 30 years old causing a problem in my herd like is it worth the risk which like frozen semen is pretty minimal risk as far as biosecurity issues um is it worth it to use it so I've thought about it you know we just don't know some of those things have been around that long but uh, so what do you do if you are buying goats from someone? You want to see their testing records. You want to see their testing history. And like testing is imperfect. And this is probably something this is, this is like a little mini COVID-19 <laughs> aside and probably something that people are more familiar with now is in the current like global health on, I don't know if I get to say current anymore, in the ongoing global health issues that we have as humans, like, uh, testing is imperfect. All testing is imperfect. You have false negatives, you have false positives, you have different sensitivities and specificities. Are you testing for the presence of the organism? Are you testing for antibodies against the organism? What do those things tell you? <sighs> it's, and it's like, it's kind of fun to think about, like, you know, what is, what is it actually telling you, but how with, for, for the vast majority of people without a lot of like medical and biostats training, like what's the short story? The short story is like, no matter, no matter how much testing there is, it's imperfect. 
However, having said that, the more testing there is, the more valuable the testing is, especially for CL and Yonis, because those two things, CAE is better than it used to be. CAE, when I got into goats, was not great, um, but testing has improved where, like, we have, like, a in the 90s, I want to say greater than 95% sensitivity and specificity um, for a CAE ELISA test, which is great. So, like, you test that thing, and you're pretty sure it's, you can, you can rely on the results, that particular result for that particular animal, pretty good. CL and Yonis are, for a single animal at one individual point in time, are not great tests and it has to do with like the nature of the organism so like that cl bug gets in the lymph nodes and it doesn't get out in circulation very much and it's the and yonis too like part of the job of these organisms is to evade the immune system by setting up shop in areas where the immune system isn't really gonna attack it that much like it walls itself off it sets up this it has different mechanisms for evading like the normal immune system processes that kill invading organisms which is great for the bug but it's not great for the uh critter um or the human that you're trying to develop a test for the cl like I don't routinely test my herd for CL because it's closed herd and we have no history of abscesses. Abscess and like we had one like three month old goat kid pop up with an abscess this spring and I was like culture it immediately culture it and then you get an answer you know what the bug is and that's it that culturing an abscess is by far and away the best way to know if what you're dealing with is CL. The more commonly what is used and people are using for screening is a serum test, which like it's called a shy test. And I don't even remember what the, the like procedure for it is. It's not, it's not a great test in terms of sensitivity and specificity. So sensitivity and specificity are like number of false positives or negatives, like how much, oomph is behind that one test for that particular animal. The thing about biostats is that the more individuals you test at a certain point at time, the more, like, oomph is behind that testing in particular. So this applies to both CL and Yonis. Like, if I test one animal in a group of 100 at one point in time for CL and it comes back negative. Great. Okay. And eh, that isn't as powerful of a result as if I test that whole group of 100 and they all come back negative. And then it's even better if I test that whole group of 100 now and then I test them again in six months and it's still all negative. That's even better. Like the... It's a changing thing over time. It's not... The testing is very imperfect and, uh, like, that's a... That's, like, the reality of the situation. So you can get an animal that has a negative test on whatever, CL, and, I mean, 
You can get an, an animal that tests negative on CAE too, and it doesn't come out positive until later on. But this is just like the nature of testing. The nature of testing is imperfect. Um, but the more animals you have, if you buy an animal from a herd that is uh, 150 animals and every animal every year is tested for CAE, CL, and Yonis, and they're all negative every single year, and they have been for the last 10 years, then you can feel pretty confident that that is going to be good. Um, and you should ask to see the test results. Um, and they should be from a, a legit lab. There's a lot of, and this, people are probably going to get upset with me for saying this, but like, there's a lot of more private labs showing up. Um, I don't think there's a lot of like regulation and oversight for these particular diseases because like CAE, nobody really in like human medicine doesn't really care if goats have CAE. Um, and like I mentioned the thing about Crohn's, but that that doesn't seem to be like too, too mainstream at this point um, in terms of like the human health counterpart. And there's not a lot of regulation about testing until there is a concern about the human health counterpart. So um, there, like private labs can open up and get test kits and provide testing for these diseases and how reliable are they? I don't know. Um, I may be a little bit biased, but everything for my animals goes to a university associated or, and or state accredited lab, um, state or federally accredited lab. And some things like the next thing that, uh, I will talk about, like they're required to be state labs. You cannot test for the diseases that potentially have an impact on human health at a private lab. There is not, you know, you have to send them to the state lab because they are like federally recognized tests, diseases of concern. The, uh, so the short story about CAE, CL, and Yoni's like I said, people commonly call it biosecurity screening. And the short story is don't buy it. You can't get rid of it without getting rid of the animals. And the other thing I didn't say about CL and Yonis in particular is that if it's in the environment, it's easy to track around and it's hard to get rid of. Um, the organisms are quite stable in the environment, so they're hard to, to get rid of. They can spread to other ruminants. Yeah. Not, not a fun time. Um, so, short story. Don't buy them. S ask for testing results. Ask, and ask, like, ask for testing results for the whole herd, for the whole group of animals. And ask for, like, last year's testing results and the year before. Say, so how long have you been doing the testing? Is it negative every year? Have you ever had a scare? All of these things. If someone has, like, like us, we... We tested the whole herd for everything this spring. Um, we did our dairy testing and we did our biosecurity testing with the exception of CL. Um, we did it all this spring and everybody was negative and that was great. <laughs> so um, I'd be happy to show somebody that those testing results. And yeah, like very happy to, to talk about that and encourage people to get healthy animals because it's it's much more rewarding. Um, the, 
what's the the next thing to talk about? Oh yeah, so uh, don't buy it. Ask for testing results and um, re- just know that testing is imperfect. If there is a shadow of a doubt in your mind about the origin of that animal or like the healthiness of that animal like get your own testing done if somebody like red flags like somebody says they have been tested and they don't want to show you the results or they say they don't have the results or they lost them or whatever first of all I call I call uh, BS on that because um, you, you can always get a copy of the test results. I, uh, my testing results that I do for myself and I do for clients, like I keep copies of all of that. So if it was anything that was done by a vet, either because it had to be done by a vet or because you had it done by a vet because whatever reason, like I have some people that like me to do their biosecurity testing, even though uh, I don't have to do that. They could draw the blood themselves and send it in. But then they have another layer of like authenticity that those animals, like I saw those animals. There's a third party that's a neutral party where I saw those animals. I drew that blood. I sent it to the lab that I like. And there it is. And then also I keep a record of it. And if I, for some reason, can't find the record that I have of it, then I can contact the lab and get a record of it. Um, All of the things have records. If they don't have that, that's a red flag to me. Um, Or probably an even bigger red flag to me would be like, I want to buy this animal, but I want it tested before I buy it. And I will pay for the vet to come and do it and whatever. Like... And if that seller says, no, I don't want you doing that, that's a red flag to me. Because why, what, how is it harming them to have me pay for a vet to come and draw blood on that animal? That's, to me, that's a red flag. So I would probably walk away from that. Uh, what else? Okay. Um... I think that's that's it on that buying buying healthy animals. So those are just the diseases that are like the the big ones that are like the well-being of your uh, the well-being of the animals in and of themselves. And then like you know if well for like I've said a couple of times for whatever reason you have them like we get attached to them. We don't want to see them suffering. We don't want to see them like doing poorly we don't you know it's frustrating to have an animal that like is not doing great despite all of our best efforts and time and money and feed and supplements and diagnostics and treatments and all of these things that we can throw at them where they're not gonna get better like that's that's not great that's a crappy feeling so I'm trying to avoid that for everybody Um, And then diseases of, like, human importance. Uh, Tuberculosis and brucellosis are the big dairy testing ones. Less, I've mentioned Q fever in the past. Um, Coxiella bernati? Uh, Is that particular 
um, disease and those are all diseases that have zoonotic potential and zoonotic potential means that the disease can go from animals to people just like originally uh, SARS-CoV-2 did went from a bat to a human uh, tuberculosis can go from a ruminant to a human brucellosis can go from a ruminant to a human Q fever can go from a ruminant to a human um, brucellosis and tuberculosis like have not really been prevalent in my lifetime but I think there's probably people alive who remember those diseases being around and those are diseases that are really crappy to have for people um probably crappy for the ruminants too or the animals that have them but some animals can be like asymptomatic carriers of these diseases these are diseases that became less of a problem when we started pasteurizing all of our milk and pasteurizing things to be made into cheese and other dairy products so that's why pasteurizing is important uh, and that's why testing for TB and brucellosis is important. The problem with TB and brucellosis is that, uh, like, it's not a disease that could easily be eradicated because both of those diseases can have a wildlife reservoir. So the disease can exist in the wildlife and... Like, it's kind of like low levels there in the background, but we can't really call it eradicated because it's still out there. I think within my lifetime, too, there's been issues with, like, bison and, ha and tuberculosis. Um, I can't remember the details. But it's, it's there. It's, you know, more of a... Like, like kind of like the smoldering thing in the background that we always have to think about because I don't want to be the vet who missed the, the re-emergence of one of those diseases of human health importance. Um, I always remember one of the vets, the professors at, at Tufts who said that you don't want to be the vet who misses the reintroduction of foot and mouth or hoof and mouth to to the United States or brucellosis to the United States re-emerging in humans blah 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 yeah no no I don't want that to be me and you don't want it to be you that is the person that gets infected so yeah that is why we, we remain vigilant on it even though like when I fill out a health certificate and I check off on things like we're in a TB free area we're in a brucellosis free area like there are different regulations about moving animals around based on that but like you know it's it's never at this point in history it's not a hundred percent thing where we are confident that it's gone and eradicated um q fever i i need to review q fever i should do an episode on that um because i geographically am not like in a place where it's ever been a problem um and when it is a problem it gets shut down real fast because it is pretty darn contagious and easily spreadable um and uh causes people to be sick causes animals to be sick uh yeah so when it has been an issue, it usually is pretty significantly quarantined and shut down real quick. Um, yeah. 
but also another one of those diseases where you know you get it from drinking raw milk whatever like yeah so those are some of the the diseases of importance where you should ask to see testing results you may be required for depending on your travel situation with your animals you may be required to have animals tested for tb and brucellosis which is you know it's fine like just just do it um that's nice to have it um yeah and one other let's see the other thing to talk about is intestinal parasites um, because that's another thing that you don't want to buy and bring with you um the uh this is and this can be like a very geographically dependent thing i probably talked about this in one of the parasite uh episodes i think there are like four parasite episodes and um talking about like parasites are very like very geographically they're just like a different population of critters depending on where they are like depending like from one herd to another so like one herd and then I go 20 miles down the road to another herd like those parasites are going to evolve to a different genetic like slightly different genetic population over time uh, because they're like isolated from each other and to a certain extent, uh, where in Maine, I am lucky that we have a winter where we get some parasite die-off, um, and knocking wood right now, haven't run into tons of things that seem to be super, super resistant to the few antelmanthic drugs that we have, um, which is nice. Um, the... But if I were to buy an animal, like in the United States, probably like the worst, like just like geographic difficulty due to climate and humidity and like the seasons and all of that, like the southeast of the United States is really difficult for parasite management because it's wet, it's hot, it's damp, like parasites love that business. So... Like, if I were to buy an animal from that area and get it shipped, I would, that, aside from the other stuff that I just talked about in terms of bringing disease with it, I'd be worried about what kind of parasite population is that animal bringing with it. And checking fecals beforehand and deworming and, if necessary, and, like, really looking at that and having a plan for interrupting that animal's parasite life cycle because then that animal is also going to be stressed from transport and then that gives parasites an opportunity to flare up all of those things so avoiding the a, a problem getting bringing the things that you can't see so all of these things that you can't see all these infectious things that you can't see don't bring them don't bring them with you don't bring them into your herd if you are buying so the like two different and this gets to probably what I'll wrap it up with here. Like, two different scenarios. You're buying your first goats. You haven't had them before. You're bringing them into, like, fresh area. Like, you don't want to bring this stuff with you to begin with. Because it's going to make your life harder. And then, second thing is you... Uh, 
goats. If you are bringing more goats in for whatever reason, you have some goats and they're all good and healthy and you started it off right and then you want to bring some more goats in, like don't bring something small, microscopic, and bad in with the new goat that is then potentially going to cause a big problem with your other goats. All of this stuff, like, this is kind of fun. This stuff is fun for me to talk about. I like science. I like medicine. I like talking about infectious disease, blah, blah, blah. But it's not as fun to... Like, those aren't the fun things when you're, like, excited about getting a new animal. The fun things are, like, what color water bucket am I going to get? And what kind of, like, play structure am I going to build for these animals? Not, oh, do I have to feel like a jerk asking for this person for their biosecurity testing history on their whole herd? Like, you know, you don't need to feel like a jerk about that because you're being a responsible person. I wish that people buying any kind of animal would do this with all of the things that they're buying so many like this is like buying a purebred dog and getting its health papers you know it's is this a german shepherd has it had ofa elbows and hips and the eye thing i think german shepherds have an eye thing i always have to look up all the breed specific things because i don't remember what they are um and talking about breed specific things is that a consideration for you then you get well this is going to get into like genetic testing too and that's that can be fun because um you can be talking about is this are these animals like high casein producers are these animals nubians and am i worried about g6s like these are all things to consider like what what you want your goats for i guess Um, I talk about that a lot. Like, why do you want these animals? Um, And I guess it all comes back to that. Like, why do you want the animals? You probably don't want the animals so you can fight incurable infectious disease and resistant parasites for the rest of their lives. So don't, don't buy those things. Don't, don't buy those things into your herd. Uh, I guess one other thing to talk about in terms of health of animals that you're buying into your herd is um, being aware like I kind of mentioned in passing like stress of transport and stress of being in a new environment and stress of being in a new herd and like being aware of that is really I think important and having realistic expectations is important and um, like you just it's a stressful experience for an animal our goat kids were in the barn you know our goat kids are born they're in the barn for a while and then they get moved out to the pasture because we were building all this infrastructure this year this the second group of goat kids that went out into the pasture got out there a bit later than we would have liked and it was like drama 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 from them. there's lots of screaming and yelling there's lots of standing in their shelter out there because they didn't know what to do outside and like this sounds so stupid but like their brains are very small and we just took them out of the only environment that they had known for their whole short life and like plopped them out into this beautiful sun-filled field with lots of grass to eat and a breeze and it sounds like well that should be great right well it should but it is a change and change is stressful um 
how can you minimize the stress for those animals? One way that I like is I do not like to buy a single animal if I can avoid it. I like to buy animals in groups of two or three at a minimum so they have like friends that they can hang out with. They're herd animals and uh, being by themselves is stressful. Uh, also like I haven't yet transported a goat for myself that was like far away that where I had to hire a transporter to do it but I probably will someday. Maybe not. I got all those frozen bucks in the thing. I don't know. Um I'm more inclined to, to move frozen animals around, like embryos or semen, but it's not stressful for the embryos or semen as long as they stay frozen. Um, but, like, moving an animal on a long trailer cross-country journey is a stressful event. Um, you're, you hear people talk about, like, shipping fever, and, like, that's a whole nother conversation, but it, and, like, I mentioned the parasite flare-ups, it all has to do with the immune system being not at its prime operating ability because of stress, and transport is stressful, change is stressful, an animal that's thrown onto a trailer with a whole bunch of other animals for an indeterminate period of time flying down the highway at 70 miles an hour for three days that's stressful that is stressful and I don't care if the animal gets off the trailer at your place and walks into the stall like nothing's wrong and starts eating hay it was still a stressful event um goats are herd animals they're prey animals they are conditioned to not show stress and not show weakness because that would make them easy pickings for a predator. So they're not going to show you until it's really bad. They're going to hide disease. They're going to hide stress. They're going to hide weakness because they don't want to be eaten. Being aware that that is a stressful thing, respiratory disease, parasite flare-ups, uh, appetites being off, upsetting the rumen, all of those things are very possible with um, transport. With transport or any, any kind of change where it's going down into the beautiful field with the tall grass. It's new, it's scary, we're going to get stressed out. And then they figured it out and now they're like chowing down and it's great. So, yeah. Um... I think that kind of covers the things that I wanted to talk about in this episode in terms of health and things to not bring, to not start your herd with or not bring into your herd and how to not do it. Get testing done, uh, get test results, get a fecal done. Get a fecal done before you bring the animal home. Go grab some poop while you're there and have your own fecal done. Like, there's ways to uh, mitigate the potential for disease transmission and health concerns with your new animals. And if you don't want to think about these kinds of things, then, like, think about why are you, you know having realistic expectations of the risk that you run 
if you're not going to do these kinds of things. I have diagnosed on culture, so like culturing an abscess on a five-month-old goat kid that this kid has CL. And those the the first goats that those people had purchased, they bought them at an auction. This abscess popped up. They brought them into us. Like so, these kids now. Probably both of them, because they came from the same place, have CL. These people wanted to get more goats, and then, you know, they're putting more goats at risk for having CL. You're having this disease that you're going to have to manage for the rest of the life of those animals, and then you're potentially contaminating your environment with the organism. Like, is it fair to the animals to to live with chronic disease is it fair to the other animals that you want to buy in to then expose them to chronic disease Uh, these are all hard questions and like the way to prevent (laughs) the, the hard question conversation is to buy healthy animals buying healthy animals from reputable breeders or reputable farms. You don't have to buy purebred animals. These these diseases aren't like only you know, only purebred animals don't have these diseases or things like that. You can buy mixed breed animals, you, but like you uh, buying animals at an auction, you're probably not gonna get any you know, health history from these animals. These are more private sale type situations, um, and you're gonna, you're probably gonna pay more for these animals. But and is it worth it? Maybe because you're probably gonna have to throw less money at that animal's well-being for the course of its life. Uh, Devin and I like purebred dogs, and we've paid more money than what it costs to adopt a dog at the shelter for purebred dogs, but guess what? Knockwood, so far, we have not had dogs that have needed, had, like, chronic disease issues that, you know, we needed to deal with for their whole lives, and I thank my lucky stars every day for that, because I see lots of animals that have allergies and arthritis and torn cruciate ligaments all day long, like... All of those things are, you know, we should be trying to build a better goat and uh, or dog, whatever you're doing. If you're if you're making animals, if you're buying animals, if you're raising animals, try to get the best ones you can because it's going to be a lot more enjoyable for everyone involved. And I think I've rambled on for long enough about this. And uh, thanks for listening. Let me know what you think. Uh, Devin and I will, when I record out like this, maybe there will already have been a Tales from the Farm uh, episode that you will have listened to so I can tell you about what's been going on. Um, But yeah, I think that's going to do it for the moment. I'll talk to you guys next time. Meh.